the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Good afternoon. I'm Jim Stanley in for Brother Bert Harper. It's my pleasure to be with you today. And I'm sitting in with Dr. Alex McFarland. Alex, good afternoon. Well, hello, my friend. How are you doing? Brother, I am, as you would say, I am blessed. Blessed and highly favored. I trust that the Stanley family had a very special Easter. Well, we had a really good Easter, sure did. Um, and I, I, it was just an overall good weekend for us. Amen. Amen. I love Easter. You know, you know, Bert and I both, we love Christmas. I really, oh my goodness, I love Christmas. I love Thanksgiving. I love July 4th. But Jim, Easter is so special to me because, I mean, that empty tomb, I mean, that that proves, that underscores, that confirms everything we believe, that Christ rose, and we know that if we've got a relationship with him, our salvation is secure. I mean, uh, Easter is what sets Christianity apart from all the other faith systems, isn't it? It is. And, you know, we... For us, it's there are things that we just absolutely could fight over all day and wouldn't make a difference in our salvation. But there are what we call the tenets of the faith that we absolutely have to agree on because they are important to our salvation. Obviously, if Jesus was not born of a virgin, then he would not have been able to live a sinless life and Mm. then die on the cross as a sacrifice for you and for me and for all those listening and all those around the world. And then on resurrection day, when Jesus came forth from the grave, you know, he had said it is finished on the cross. And then when he burst forth from the grave, it actually began again, didn't it? It really did. It really did. And, you know, sometimes the word doctrine, people get a little nervous, like, oh, doctrine can uh, divide people. But, you know, the word doctrine is a really important word, and it's it's related to the foundation under a building. It's related to the uh, foundation that a building stands on. And when we come to things like this, a, a truth, a reality on which we all agree that Jesus rose from the dead— and that proves his messiahship. That is a foundation stone that all of Christianity stands on. Mm-hmm. And uh, let, let me throw something out here. And by the way, folks, we're going to do a lot uh, this hour to take phone calls. If you've got a Bible question, we would love to hear from you on today's edition of Exploring the Word. Hey, Alex, let me, yes, let yes. me, let me tweak that just a little. Okay. Uh, at one time, we would do a day of prayer and praise before our share began. Amen. And people would pray for us and then say why AFR was important to them or how the Lord had used them in their lives. So, yeah, we'll take Bible questions, but if you don't have a question but you do have a a prayer or a praise, go ahead and throw that into the mix, too. Amen. And and by the way, we have been so blessed just in the last uh, week, a person just live on the radio prayed to accept Christ. Mm -hmm. And then somebody else emailed in and said that they, too, had accepted Christ listening to the show. Uh, Jim, I was in Cincinnati, Ohio, and before that, I was in San Angelo, Texas. And in both of those cities, just in the last two weeks, 
just, um, you know, lots of people come up and they say they listen to the show and all the great programming on AFR. So, yes, we, we know God is using this. We give the Lord all the glory, but we do want to pray for these ministries and pray for the share coming up because we, I don't know any other way to say it, we are partners in the harvest. The harvest of souls come mm-hmm. into faith in the Lord, and we're all from the, the people that run the transmitters and the antennas and all that to uh, those of us that are on the radio preaching and traveling, and then it, it's a team effort, isn't it? Yes, sir, it sure is. And as you mentioned, you know, there are a lot of moving parts here at AFA and AFR, uh, and we could not get by without any of them because Amen. it's it's so intricate. You know, we had both engineers and uh, the uh, our Internet department was over, our computer department was over and they were making sure everything was set up for tomorrow. And so I I tell you, brother, it is one of those things. We have people over for the stand who are writing and then those stories are played out here on the air. And so it, it's just from, as I used to say, from the, from one wall from the East to the West and then across the street from the East to the West. And I guess we could even go with North and South now that uh, this well, ministry is, is one of those things that you just we don't take it for granted, um, and we want to be sure that, that God gets the glory for that because it's all about Him. It's all about what He's done for us. Well, amen. And, you know, to everybody listening, I know um, so many of you pray, and you, you really lift us up in prayer, and I cannot overstate how much we appreciate that. And then you give, and you financially support, and look— we all share in the rewards, and one day up in heaven, when we see the harvest of souls that were one to faith in Jesus, we're going to all rejoice. But every last one of you, we're we're all a team together. And let me let me read a verse here, and I do want to pray for Sherathon coming up. You know, I was preaching yesterday out of Mark chapter sixteen, and it, Jim, I just thought it was wonderful. You know, uh, early the first day of the week. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices, and they go down to the grave, and there they see an angel, and the stone was rolled away. This marks 16, 5. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were afraid. But he said to them, oh, this is wonderful, Mark sixteen six. do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Now, here is the very first evidence, the first evidential apologetic. He's not here. He is risen. See the place where he lay. Past tense verb. Uh, He's not here. He's not laying there now because he's risen. One last thing, Jim, and I want your take on this. It says in verse 7 of Mark 16, But go, tell his disciples and Peter. Mm that he is going before you. Now, folks, we serve the God of a second chance, a third and hundredth chance. The last time we saw Peter, he was denying that he knew Jesus, and he denied Christ three times, and you know that story. And it's almost like this angel says, don't forget, this risen Jesus is a God of grace. Mm. And you might have failed the Lord a hundred times, but the risen Jesus still says, come unto me. And, Jim, I've always taken great encouragement that in the list of people, go proclaim it, and, yeah, even Peter. 
because even when we blow it, the Lord still loves us, doesn't he? He sure does. And, you know, for Peter, it was one of those things that he was, you know, in one minute, he was the the testimony given by him was the rock upon which uh, God was going to build his church. And then, in the, you know, a few, pay, a few verses later, it's get behind me, Satan. So for Peter, mm. he was either all in or all out at any, and, and not necessarily in his faith, but just in the way that he lived his life, that could be me any given day. But yeah, then when exactly. the restoration of fellowship was given and Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, do you love me? And he, Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. And then he repeated that. And much has been made about the, three, three, the reason the question was given three times. But Peter affirmed each time that, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus gave him a task. Not only was he restored to fellowship, but he was restored to be able to do admission and to mm. do the mission that God called him to. Which and to get to, to preach feed. at Pentecost. That's right, and and to feed the sheep. Well, the phone number is 888-589-8840, 888 Prayer, praise, questions, uh, We'll take them all right now at 888-589-8840. Now, Alex, you said to get to preach at Pentecost. Could mm. you have? Could you picture a more ready crowd to hear the gospel? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, you know, news of the resurrection was spreading like wildfire. And, you know, I just think of the grace of God. God is so... Uh, magnanimous and merciful to us that, uh, you know, not only was Peter forgiven, but uh, maybe the most important sermon of all time outside of the sermons our Lord preached. But, I mean, this is the start of the church, and we're in something called the church age, and, and the church exists, and the gospel is preached, and we are to proclaim the saving message of the gospel until the Lord uh, calls us out of here. And God says, hey, Peter, how about you? This is Acts two fourteen. Why don't you get up and uh, give it the best you got? Preach here. Peter stands up in the eleven, raises his voice, and says, "Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. Uh, these men are not drunk, as you suppose, but it is only the third hour of the day." Peter goes on and he preaches about the promise of Joel, the giving of the Holy Spirit, and Peter preaches the gospel. And thousands were saved. But I'm, I'm telling you, that is grace that uh, after a major fall, he not only gets restored to fellowship, but even to fruitfulness and, and usefulness. Mm-hmm. And Jim, that's each one of us. I want to say to everybody listening, the Lord Jesus loves you. God has things for you. Maybe you feel like um, you're past your prime. No, you are not. If you'll turn to Christ and say, Father God, cleanse me, fill me, send me, use me. God has things he wants to do through your life. No matter where you are in the journey, God still has brand new things for you. Jim, I believe that. Amen. I do too. Uh, and gosh, I, you're going to get me going here, so I'm just going to stop and take a phone call. Uh, uh, come on, brother. We're gonna we're we're opening the phone lines as we mentioned, and they are filling up pretty quickly. So we're gonna start with Steve calling from Texas. Steve, good afternoon, and welcome to Exploring the Word. 
God bless you guys. I want to, first of all, just thank you. Thank you for feeding sheep. Do you know what that means to me personally? You feed sheep. I love you. I thank you. Now, my question is, is I need a little help with this. Ezekiel 39.2 in the King James talks about a sixth part of thee will be left. And it seems to allude to the invading armies of Ezekiel 38, that just the sixth of uh, the nations will be left. You go to any other version than the King James, there's nothing there about a sixth will be left. I don't know if there's something that happened in the Septuagint. I don't know why, but if you could try to iron that out for me. Ezekiel 39.2 in the King James versus any other version. doesn't say anything about one-sixth. Okay, Steve, that's a that's a great question, and we're going to let Alex uh, talk about that because I heard him turning the Bible pages as you were talking. Yeah, um, I was um, looking here, and of course much has been made about Ezekiel 38 and 39. Bert and I have talked about this when we taught through Daniel Revelation and the prophetic books that, you know, Daniel, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Ezekiel definitely refers to what has commonly been known as Russia and Gog and, and uh, Magog, Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. They really think Rosh means Russia, Meshach means Moscow attacking Israel. Now, I'm looking in 39, did he say two or six, Jim? Uh, I I think he mentioned two, but I think you're looking at six. Well, okay, hey, let Alex, let's take a break, and this. we'll come back here on Exploring the Word on AFR. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Heidi Hsu, Undersecretary of Defense for Research and Engineering. She oversees the development of Defense Department technology strategy. Luke 11.21 reminds us of the importance of a strong defense. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask for guidance for Heidi Shu at the Department of Defense. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country. And we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. Which side should you support in the coming election? Dr. Tony Evans says there's only one biblical answer, and it may not be the one you expect. He'll tell us what it is as we spend two minutes with Tony. In our church, we got Democrats, we got Republicans. And that's fine because there's no party that fully represents the kingdom of God. But there shouldn't be any disunity here because everybody is Christian. And that trumps Democrats and Republicans. You can be Democrat light. You can be Republican light. Because when they come up with stuff that is against the family of God, it doesn't matter that your daddy was a Democrat that your granddaddy was a Democrat, that your daddy was a Republican, that your granddaddy was a Republican. If it comes up that there's an issue in the party that's against the will of God, you should be against that issue because you stand for Jesus Christ. And since there's no Christian party, 
per se. You have to take your stand. I ain't going with you here. I ain't going with you here because you just left Jesus Christ and I don't leave him out of anything. I've taken my stand. Ezekiel chapter 43, verses 1 to 12, God says, don't bring the throne of your kings and set them next to my throne. Don't bring your presidents and sit them next to my throne like we twins. Don't bring your political leaders and sit them next to me like I care what they think or have to say. No, I'm God and only my throne is in my sanctuary. We believe that politics is going to solve stuff. Uh-uh. Unless God is put back on the throne, you're just going to move from one mess to another mess. If you're discouraged about the division in our country, check out Tony's book, America, Turning a Nation to God. It reveals how to recognize the real problem and kickstart revival. Details are waiting for you at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. 1 Peter 3, 14 through 16. American Family Radio. And the Salvation Army Band is playing this hymn. And your grace rings out so deep, it makes my resistance seem so thin. Welcome back. I'm Jim Stanley. In today for Brother Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarland, and we're taking your Bible questions. Now, Alex, I, I did look that up, uh, Ezekiel 39.2 in the King James Version, mm-hmm. and uh, he was in the Scripture says, And I will turn thee back and leave but the sixth part of thee, and will cause thee to come up from the north parts, and will bring thee, bring thee upon the mountains of Israel. And so the gentleman's question, Steve's question, was what is that about the sixth part of thee um, mm-hmm. is what he was asking about. How does that fit in? Because he mentioned in other, uh, including the New King James Version, uh, that part there, leave but the sixth part of thee, is not included in most other versions. Well, and you know, I'm looking at this in the Hebrew now, that um, and and I will tell you in the Hebrew there's nothing about the sixth part of the so let me let me explain what I think without doing an exhaustive study on this because this is something I've never really come across before at the time of the King James translation 400 years ago uh, they had the best available manuscripts at the time and since then over the last four centuries uh, more manuscripts have been found. Uh, in fact, let, let me just say this very carefully. Um, I interviewed one time uh, an, a man who was, his name was Dr. Brent Sandy, and he was uh, a part of one of the major societies that deal with the papyra and the biblical manuscripts. And he said basically this. He said that in all of the times manuscripts have been found, there have been, he said, you could count on less than five fingers the passages that have been questioned, but none of them affects any major Bible doctrine. Mm. Virgin birth, deity of Christ, blood atonement. 
The only thing, and I'll have to study and get back on this because I don't want to give a less than adequate answer, but I'm looking in the Hebrew, and in, in the Hebrew, it basically says uh, that, you know, I will turn you around and drive you forward and bring you up from the uttermost parts of the north, lead you against the mountains of Israel. Uh, the King James does say, I will leave a sixth part of you. Now, maybe, and again, I'm going to have to look into this. At the time the King James was being translated, maybe they had a manuscript that had what we call a variant reading. There might have been a manuscript that included that. And what the King James translators tended to do, like with the, the last few verses of Mark 16, mm-hmm. there, there uh, is a passage in Mark that they, they wonder, most Bibles include it, uh, you know, was this in the majority of the manuscripts or wasn't it? The King James translators generally, if one manuscript had it, they would include it. A lot of the more modern translations will, if only a few, they'll probably omit it from the main body of the text and make a note at the bottom of the page. Now again, I want to be very clear. Those of you that have an English Bible, whatever the translation, you don't need to worry that it's not the Word of God, but uh, the point is this, that um, no major doctrine, Jesus being the Son of God, rising from the dead, none of that is in question. I will look, and it'll give me, it'll take me maybe a day or two, maybe we'll do it Friday after share or something, um, but I'll find out why the King James has the phrase, the sixth part of you, and the other translations in English don't. All I can think, Jim, is probably there was at least a few manuscripts that had it, so the King James translators put that in. All right, there we go. Steve, thanks for the call this afternoon. We sure appreciate it. We're going to go to Adam in Arkansas now. Adam, good afternoon, and welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you? Good. 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 Hey, uh, something was brought up at the beginning of the show, and it made me stop and say, I don't understand what that means. So this is the first time I decided to call. Uh, But I think, Jim, you were talking about how because Jesus was born of a virgin, then he could live a sinless life. And I I don't understand. I guess I can you add more on that? Sure. Okay. So, and Alex, I, I want you to chip in on this as well. So, if Jesus had not been born of a virgin, he would not have been able to live a sinless life because he would have been just like you and me. He would have been born into sin, he would have been born with the sin nature. And so that passes to us. And uh, it's a matter of, the, uh, of that. And so, uh, Alex, you may be able to explain that a little bit better than I can, but uh, so so that's what I meant by that, is that had he not been born of a virgin, he would not have been able to live the sinless life simply because sin would have already been endued in him. Amen. You see, here's the thing. We, We think the only reason we need a Savior is because we do sinful deeds, and that is part of it. But do you know what? Even if you had never done anything wrong, uh, you still would need a Savior because we have the guilt of Adam and Eve hanging over our head. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, and 15, 45. 
First Corinthians 15:22 says, "In Adam all die, but in Christ all will be made alive." First Corinthians 15:45 says, "The first man, Adam, was a living being, but the last Adam, the second Adam, Jesus, is a life-giving spirit." Now, you got to put your thinking cap on, folks, for just a minute, but it is very much a legal universe. You mm. say, what does that mean? You see, when you come to Jesus, uh, yes, your sins are washed away, but the righteousness of Christ is is accounted to you or credited to you. This is in Romans chapter 4, uh, 1 Corinthians 5.13, but we needed a virgin-born Savior, so that the unrighteousness of Adam was not imputed to him. Mm -hmm. See, we we often talk about the imputed righteousness of Christ. Yay, praise God. But let me say, my dear friend, this is why you need to be born again, because of the imputed unrighteousness of Adam and Eve. So it was a theological necessity— that Jesus be born of a virgin so that he didn't come into this world with the guilt of Adam and the sin nature. So we have a sinless Savior because he did not inherit a sin nature. All right, Adam, thanks for the phone call this afternoon, and thanks for being a first-time caller as well. We appreciate you listening. Now, Adam, in your comments, uh, you you wanted us to pray for the armed forces? Adam may be already gone. And so in the comment sections that we see here on the screen, uh, Alex, he mentioned to pray for the armed forces. And right now, um, I think this is a time that we need to do that. We need to pray for them all the time. But, you know, things continue to be doubtful in Ukraine. And then, you know, there are other hot spots around the world that tend to flare up when other things are stirred up. So, Alex, would you just pray for the men and women of our armed forces and the, the armed others? Yes, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can call on your name and you hear us. And Lord, we thank you so much for those who serve our country in the, the branches of the military. Oh, Lord, uh, your word tells us in Romans chapter 13 that those that are the peacekeepers and they engage in national defense and they serve, they are actually ministers for you. So I pray a blessing on all the men and women that are in the armed forces. Lord, I pray that our military would be godly. And Lord, I pray that you would use our military and our leaders to defend our Constitution and our religious freedoms. And Lord, we pray for the marriages and the families. Very often people serve in the military and there's a really high price emotionally and uh, just in a lot of ways. It is a sacrifice. So bless them and provide their needs. And Father God, we do pray for peace in the Ukraine. And Lord, uh, please um, rule and overrule and restrain evil and bring good. And Father, we lift up the soldiers of, of the Ukraine, the citizens, and Lord, even the soldiers in the Russian armies, many of whom, they don't want to be doing this. They don't want to do it. So Father God, um, subdue this fallen world. Bring peace. Bless the lives of people. And further your kingdom. And we ask it all in Christ's name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Continuing with phone calls this afternoon now. Let's talk to, I apologize, I lost my place. The 
glass has got cross-eyed. Let's talk to Cole calling from Texas. Cole, good afternoon. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, my question basically is, um, is there any credence to this Matthew 24, 34, uh, big tree generation theory um, where there's roughly an 80-year period from the beginning of Israel to the end of you know some of the end times things, um, throwing in Psalm 9010 uh, that defines the generation there. Um, do you guys... Or would you shoot holes in that, or do you support that theory? Um, you know, let me let me weigh in on this. Where Jesus says this generation will not pass away till all things be fulfilled, is Matthew twenty four, thirty four. Um, yeah, I I think, and there was a book many years ago by a very wonderful scholar named John Walford, and I believe he had been at Dallas Seminary, and he wrote a book called Oil Armageddon in the Middle East. And, uh, yeah, I think it's it's very possible that there are people that were alive at the time of the rebirth of Israel, which really came to fruition in May of 1948. I mean, just think this in a month, 74 years. So it is conceivable that there are people that were alive at the time of the rebirth of Israel that will yet be alive uh, at the time that history comes to an end and Christ returns. Um I'm not going to, that's not a hill that I'm going to like die on, but a lot of people have believed that, like John Walvoord and the late Dr. Harold Wilmington. Um, and I, I think, yeah, it's definitely plausible. Uh, let me just say this, what's really interesting, and um, by the way, Jim, it's a fascinating story how after World War One, there was a chemist uh, in England that, um, I believe his name was Keim Weitzman, and uh, Winston Churchill, Harry Truman, and Lord Balfour. Uh, and Truman and Balfour were devout Christians. Churchill, uh, very probably before the end of his life, came to know the Lord. But they wanted to honor Chaim Weizmann, who helped synthesize acetone and helped Britain make ammunition and survive World War I. And Churchill said, we want to help you get Israel rebirth, we're going to give you 5 million acres in Uganda. And he said, no, it's got to be Jerusalem, what they call Transjordan. And long story short, to honor the Jews that helped Britain in World War I, uh, Balfour, Truman, and Churchill worked, and it was no small thing, and they helped the modern state of Israel be birthed. Now, what's very interesting is Balfour was a Plymouth Brethren that had had a major revival in Europe during the 19th century. And they weren't the only ones. There were some of the Reformers going as far back as like Luther and the Wesleys. And they believed just before the return of Christ, Israel would be reconstituted as a nation. And uh, Jim, the Bible says no man knows the day or the hour. The Bible says we're to be ready. But i got to tell you, folks, and I'm only speaking for Alex here, but I look at the world, and I think the chess pieces are on the table. Israel is in the land. Uh, there's a grid, you know, surveilling every move we make almost. Mm. The world has lost its moral compass. And that's why we want to get the gospel out, because the hour to win lost souls to Jesus, Jim, they may very likely be coming to a close. Absolutely. And, you know, it is important, and we don't, 
we I don't I in no wise want to make light of the second coming so please hear my heart there but it's it's one of those things that you you have a meteorologist if you would and the meteorologist has all this information available and they're trying to give you the very best forecast that they can but then when the forecast comes out they may be wrong well folks there are a lot of people that are are bible meteorologists and they may you know they want to set an exact time and an exact day and just like alex said we can't do that the bible tells us not to do that but i tell you what that meteorologist may be wrong about the the time and the place but one thing's for sure those clouds have rain and eventually Mm. it's gonna fall and so christ is coming we may not know when but we better be ready just like alex said we we better be ready and found working when he does uh, so that we don't miss the blessing that we've been promised we know that if our names are written in the lamb's book of life then we should have some peace about us i don't want to take away from that but at the same time we don't want that peace to be mistaken for pride and say well i don't have to do anything because i know jesus and i'm ready folks you need to be careful god is as alex said earlier god is a just god and so when you know that you say that you're saved make sure you know that you're saved mm. so there we go let's take another phone call what do you think oh nope it. we're going to break my uh our pardon me not just mine but our producer well you want to talk about somebody waving you down to warn you uh something terrible's coming is well it's Devin? not yeah Devin. it's not terrible but he was telling me that I wouldn't even have time to answer the phone before the break hit. So we're going we're gonna to do this. And hey, folks, as we are, uh, as you pray today, please keep Sherathon in mind for the next several days as we do have that here on American Family Radio. When you hear this... This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. He died and he rose again. But what really happened the days just after the resurrection? And why did those precious hours change the world forever? I'm Charles Morris. Join me all week on Haven Today for a series called The Empty Tomb. Haven Today, weekday mornings at 4.30 Central on American Family Radio. Listen online at AFR.net. We are not allowed to have a U-Haul that comes to heaven with us. Anna Marie Travers has an AFA Foundation charitable gift annuity. The Lord has given us uh, things that we can uh, acquire, uh, but you know, everything will stay here. And I'm so thankful for 
for the American Family uh, Annuity Fund where we can give some to something that we so highly value. Through the AFA Foundation, a charitable gift annuity provides a monthly income as well as a legacy of support for the American Family Association. I cannot uh, recommend a, a better person than uh, they have at AFA to help you with getting your annuity fund. It was so easy. Call the AFA Foundation today to find out how you can set up a charitable gift annuity. Just call 800-326-4543, extension 345. Faith, hope, love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Karl Marx, an emissary of evil, and Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, were evangelists of diametrically opposed messages. Yet they both lived in London at the same time. In fact, when asked the name of the person he most detested, Frederick Ingalls, Marx's cohort in chaos, responded unequivocally, Spurgeon. A generation later, George Bernard Shaw, a hardcore communist, seethed in hatred for William Booth and his Salvation Army of Volunteers. Time and again, robust Christian witness has been the inoculate against the proliferation of Marxist poison in society. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. What a great note to know that you've been redeemed and that at the wedding feast of the Lamb, you'll have a place at the table. This is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I'm Jim Stanley along with Dr. Alex McFarland. I'm sitting in for Bert Harper today. He should be back with us tomorrow. In fact, he has promised me that I will see him at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning as Sherathon kicks off. So there mm. we go. Let's talk All to right. Jim in Arkansas now. Jim, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you so much. Uh, first of all, I would like to pray for your programs, and then I do have a question. Okay. Our Heavenly, our Heavenly Father, you are the great I Am. You know all and you see all, and you know this programs that we listen to every day on AFR, such as the souls of all the people that listen. Lord, they say the, say the words that mean so much. Because they talk about you, Jesus, and you, God. You just, oh, they just fascinate me by the word of God coming over the word, over this channel. They do it every day, and I just get so excited about listening. It means so much. And I want to thank you for having programs like this. Mm. Lord, be with them and give them the word. I thank you so much. In Jesus Christ's holy name, amen, amen. 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 Thank you, Jim. Thank you, brother. Um, My question is this. On the day of Pentecost, Peter gets out, and they start talking, and they say, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. These guys aren't drunk. How did that, how in the world did the other people, uh, the the Jewish there, the interpreter, think that they were drunk? You know, just because they were talking in the same language that they had, I don't understand that. Can you explain that? Or 
Uh, well, you know what? I mean, for one thing, I think they said, look, uh, it's, it's too early in the day to get drunk. Do you remember, uh, Jim, back in um, 1 Samuel chapter 1, Hannah was at the altar praying mm-hmm. and uh, was you know pouring out her heart to God and um, probably weeping, praying, and one of the uh, Eli thought she was drunk praying. But in Acts chapter 2, um, you know, it, the mighty rushing wind of the Holy Spirit was coming, and they're sharing the gospel, and you read like 16 languages that they're sharing the gospel in. You know, there's uh, all of these uh, Greeks and different ones, and I guess um, when you read um, Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4, uh, the sound of a mighty rushing wind, verse 2, and there were tongues of fire. I don't fully know what that means, but the Holy Spirit was on them like a fire, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And you read there in Acts 2, um, verses 8 through 13, there's really 16 languages, and they say, how do we hear each in our own language, in the language we were born, verse 8. Now, uh, they, they, these people were sharing the gospel. They didn't know uh, Parthian or Elamite language or Cappadocia or Phrygia, and yet they're sharing the gospel in these languages. And so in verse 15, Peter says, look, these men are not drunk like you might suppose. It's only the third hour of the day. It's only nine in the morning. Um we don't do that till after sundown. No, that's not what that meant. But, um, you know, it's it's daytime. People aren't out partying and drinking. But this is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel, that it shall come to pass in the last days. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So, I, I Jim, I guess it was because of the just um, beautiful chaos of that site. Mm. Plus, it was... It was time to be at work. It wasn't time to be out drinking. Amen. All right, Jim. Hey, thanks for the prayer again, brother. That was that was a blessing, and we sure appreciate that. Keep praying for us. Well, we're going to talk to Michael calling from Illinois. Michael, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hi, gentlemen. Thank you. I have a, a question that hopefully um, has some uh, Bible verses. I can I can learn something. All my life, when 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 I went to to church and listened to pastors, I when they talked about hell and Hades and the lake of fire, I must have misunderstood something because I, I it was my assumption that hell and Hades that Hades is just an, a, another name or a new, in the New Testament name for the Old Testament Sheol. Then um, th- that's where the, the like a place where the people who die without Christ go. Then. Uh, after the uh, the second resurrection on on their judgment day, then they're judged and sent to to hell. But I heard a pastor recently say they're the same place, and then people get judged, they get sent to the lake of fire. And so I am really confused now about what's about what's right, and if there's any Bible verses to to help me out here. All right, Michael, mm-hmm. uh, that's a great question. And Alex, now we know that the lake of fire is often used as a as a term for hell uh, because of the visual that we were given, you know, with Lazarus and the rich man. Um, and so I think that's one of the things there. But so help us out. What is the difference between, let's say, the holding place for the dead, be it Hades, be it Sheol, be it 
the lake of fire, uh, the holding place for the dead in, that are, are dead in their sins, and then the dead in Christ, uh, even as, as you mentioned a moment ago, uh, you know, a few, a few moments ago where the, the prisoner on the cross went to paradise. Mm-hmm. Well, um, let, let me give you um, two Hebrew words, Sheol and Hades, and then a New Testament word is Gehenna, and then there's another word that's in the New Testament that's only used one time, and that's Tartarus. Uh, now, in our English Bibles, this is often translated hell, uh, but the bottom line is that, that Sheol was the grave, the realm of the dead. Now, prior to the resurrection of Christ, within Sheol, within the realm of the dead, there were two areas. There was Abraham's bosom, also called paradise. That's where the believing dead went prior to the resurrection. But then there was Hades, which was the place of the wicked. Um, and that was, you know, where that was hell before the lake of fire, you might say. Hades. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus warned about Gehenna, which is a Greek word. In Matthew 10, 28, Jesus talks about, uh, he says, don't fear the one that can kill your body. Feel the, fear the one who, after you have died, can throw your soul in hell. Mm. And the word there in the original language is Gehenna. Um, and Mark 9, 43 is translated as unquenchable fire. So, um, then you've got what's called the lake of fire, and at the end of uh, Revelation, you know, it talks about um, that the Antichrist was thrown in the lake of fire, Satan was thrown in the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet are, and then at the great white throne judgment, um, this is Revelation twenty fourteen and 15, death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. So think about this, folks. Hades was a temporary area of punishment, but just like, now think about it, just like the people that were in paradise were taken to heaven upon Christ's resurrection, the people that are now in Hades will be thrown into the lake of fire at the consummation of all things. Mm. Death and Hades are cast into the lake of fire. And folks, this ought to chill you to your bones if you've never made peace with God. Revelation 2015, anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Yeah, and uh, Michael, some of the, a couple of scripture references for you as far as uh, the paradise or Abraham's bosom, you can look at Luke 23, 43, 2 Corinthians 5, 8, or Philippians 1, 23. Those are good, some good verses for that. And then as Alex mentioned there, uh, again, looking at uh, Revelation 19 and 20, and in 20, he especially gave emphasis to verses 14 and 15. So I hope that helps you this afternoon, and, and that's a great question. We sure appreciate it. Yeah. Let's go to Wanda, calling from Virginia. Wanda, good afternoon, and welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, thank you, and I bless y'all just so nice. I just... I love you guys. You're just a blessing. Um, Bless you. My question is, well, I had a discussion with my mother-in-law yesterday about angels. And so I wanted to know, and I told her what I thought, and you always hear people say, well, so-and-so died, so I have another angel in heaven. 
Well, do we when we die? Do we become angels? No, we don't. And Alex, I, I want you to weigh in here because I don't want to be harsh in any way, Wanda. But we are angels. Don't have souls. They were created beings for God, but they don't have souls. God in gave that to us. He gave us the soul. And so when we die, uh, Alex, we're referred to, I think, in some part as, uh, as the great cloud of witnesses, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Hebrews um, 12, 1 and 2. And so, but we we, we maintain who we are. Um, you know, in, in Corinthians, it tells us that now we see through a glass darkly. Then we'll see face to face. And so, uh, Alex, please expound on that because you'll do a, a much better job than I did. But um, you, you know, it's interesting. Uh, there are four classifications of life in the created world. Uh, there's plant life, animal life, human life, and angelic life. Isn't that something? God created all those four. And um, Plants, animals, humans, and angels. Now, redeemed humans, saved people, mm. go to heaven to be with Christ after leaving this world, but we don't turn into angels. We don't. Uh, I think it's very wonderful to learn about angels. Uh, I, you know, I always caution people, you don't want to think too much about angels because we want to think about Jesus. But a lot, a lot has been written. I honestly believe you cannot improve on the book written by Billy Graham, he wrote a book called Angels, and the subtitle is God's Secret Agents. Mm. Now, um, there are angels all around us, and the Bible says that angels are the ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation. And Jim, uh, as I read the Bible, yes, I do believe there are what we might commonly call guardian angels. Mm-hmm. And Billy Graham even talks about times that he believes he and his wife were supernaturally protected. But while we're all in the presence of God, um, we don't turn into angels. Um, To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so our loved ones that that knew Christ are in heaven, but they're they're not angels now. That's a different classification of, of being altogether. Yeah. Hey, Wanda, thanks for that question. I hope it helps some. And again, I in no wise meant to be harsh, but uh, the short answer is no, but and part of that is because I think just like you mentioned, you know, someone dies. Uh, well, they God needed another angel, so He brought them home. No, God, God would not do that. Um, and, and and Jim, let me say there there are no more angels being created right now, as far as we know. Uh, the the number of angels and it's huge, probably. Uh, but the angels were were spoken into existence before the creation of this world. And so I've heard people kind of, um, you know, uh, sentimentally say, well, God needed another angel. No, the the amount of angels, the two-thirds of angels that didn't fall stayed true to God. Lucifer and a third of the angels did rebel, and they became Satan and the demons. But there, there are no more angels being created right now, as far as my study of Scripture indicates. I would agree. All right, let's see if we can get Zachary an answer. He's been patiently waiting. Zachary, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you, sir. Thank you for taking my call. Bless uh, you. In First Timothy chapter three, um, there, they give requirements for the uh, Paul gives requirements for bishops and deacons. 
the bishop in um, chapter and uh, verse two says that they he must be blameless, but a deacon, according to verse ten of First Timothy three, says he must be found blameless. And the word "found" is in italics, which means I, I'm sure it was it was added uh, to add more uh, understanding to the text. Is there a difference between being blameless and being found blameless? Let me, let me uh, look this up in, in the Greek New Testament right quick. I'm going to pull this up right now. Here we go. Um, overseer, a good work, 1 Timothy 3, 2, above reproach. Um, that's the one that's translated blameless. Now, that word is anapolimpton, anapolimpton. And then in verse 10, let's see here. Um, first be tested and being found blameless. You're right. Anapolimpton, blameless. Oh, it's a different word. Okay. Uh, let me look. Irreproachable, not being called to account. Now, let me look up the other word. And it says... It says you got about 45 seconds. Ha! Uh... Uh, unrebukable. All right. These words are very similar. And what they did, like in different translations, sometimes they have to add, sometimes they're called passing words. Found blameless is in italics. The reason they put that in there is to make it kind of smooth out and more readable. Let these first be tested, serve as deacons, being found blameless. In other words, no matter whenever you take a look at them, you're going to see that they are still consistently living uh, an unreproachable life. All right. Zachary, thanks for the call this afternoon. We sure appreciate it. And uh, we have one other caller. We're not going to be able to get to you, Haas. But I tell you what, go back and listen, I think, to a segment two of the program. And we answered that question of why Jesus had to be born of a virgin. So thank you for your call. Or you can send that to word at AFR.net. Alex, uh, man, we, we're going to miss you this week. I can tell you that. You always bring uh, great energy with you when you're here. and uh, we So we'll miss you these three days of share Now, you're going to be on the air with us. but Yeah, I'll be on the air. I'm just not in the studio. That's right. But and don't I'll, send I'll your spirit. Huh. We, no, I look forward to it. We're praying for share All right, folks. Have a great afternoon. As I mentioned, uh, Bert's back tomorrow, and share begins at 6 a.m. So you pray for us, and we'll pray for you. Have a great afternoon.